We have a strange relationship with phones, don't we? We never know whether we want to answer or not. I grew up in a day where it was always a gamble because you didn't know who was on the other end of the line. Sometimes we want the call, right? Sometimes we're eager for the call. Other times we're dreading the call. And lots of times we're just so busy we don't want to be interrupted, correct? We're going to talk about what happens when it's God that does the calling. This is, this is the series that we're going to be in this entire summer. And I'm so excited for it. I've been preparing for it. Brandon's going to be bringing some of the messages in it. It's going to be a challenging and blessing because we have a call. And when God calls, and you may not believe this yet, but it's for you. With us all walking around with phones in our pocket these days, that's not a phrase we say much more. But there was a time when the phone would ring, somebody would answer it, and it would be, it's for you. And I know there's a temptation to put up the defenses right away and say, nope, it's not for me. It's not, he's not talking to me. He's not trying to reach out to me. So I'm going to ask for your patience this morning. And let me walk us through some scripture today that frames out this entire series that we're going to be in as what it means to receive a call. So I'll start with, with this story. You ever had a very embarrassing moment? Am I the only one in the room? I was in high school and we had some friends in my youth group. We were probably in our senior year. And we kind of went on a sort of a group date. It wasn't really anything romantic, but a couple guys and a couple girls, we were headed together. And we went to the Spaghetti Warehouse in Fort Worth. And if you know anything about the Spaghetti Warehouse, it's an iconic restaurant uh, in Fort Worth. And you can go in, they've got decent food, and you can sit in a trolley car. Or they've got um, these big tables shaped like four, four-pillar beds and just really quirky kind of dining experience. And so we'd gone in, we'd enjoyed the spaghetti and lasagna and the breadsticks and the salad, and we'd had a great time. We're now walking out, so my buddy and I were walking out with the two girls that we were, were with, and we're just following them out. And you know how most restaurants have kind of a little foyer, and you go through one door, and then there's this little foyer, and there's the double doors that take you to the outside or come to the inside if you're going the other way? Well, we'd gone through, we're just following them, we're talking, we're laughing. I'm sure I'm saying really witty, incredible stuff. And so we go through the first set of doors, then we go through the second set of doors on our way out, and I'm struck by the fact that it, instead of opening to the outside, the room got significantly smaller. At what point, the girls turn around and they look at us with shocked faces and say, Why are you in the girls' bathroom? <laughs> I suddenly became aware, and it was not like we were the only people in there. There's a whole sink of ladies now looking at us trying to figure out why these two high school guys are staying in the bathroom. And this wasn't just like in a blink. I'm telling you, the door has already shut behind us. So me and my buddy begin the scramble to get out there. And we, have no, we just were not paying attention, so we fell out back into the foyer again, just climbing over one another. 
Now, there's a crowd of people out there who are all waiting to, for their seats in the restaurant, and they know exactly what we've done. So, the question is, have you ever found yourself someplace wondering, how did I get here? And I don't mean simply in location, but I mean in life, in the reality of your experience as you go through life, suddenly you find yourself in a place like, how did I end up here? Because this wasn't my plan. This is not where I thought I would end up. For some of you, if you're at a certain age, maybe you're at the latter part of life. And that's a real question that comes with lots of struggle, comes with lots of regret, because you're in season of life, you're in a place in life, you thought, I had no idea that this is how life would turn out. Maybe you're right kind of in the middle of this life journey, and it hasn't gone all the way, but you're wondering, is there still time to redeem this? Is there still time to make a course correction? Is there time to get in alignment again with where I think I should be or I feel like I've been told I should be? Or perhaps you still have the horizon way out in front of you and life's all exciting. And you haven't yet had the experience where it feels like it's gone and taken a detour. And you're just wondering, how do I, how do I engage in a life that is significant and of great value? Well, what I want to challenge you with is wherever you are on that spectrum, there is a gospel-centered message for you. If you're breathing, this message is for you. These messages are for you. So my first challenge is that you will go on this journey with us as we explore Scripture and what it means when God calls. Because we serve a God that reveals himself. If you dig into your Bibles, you find that God reveals himself in many ways, primarily in three, in his creation. And perhaps you've had that moment where you've looked at a sunset, or you've seen the, the imminent um, awesomeness of the Grand Canyon, and you've looked and you felt so small standing on its edge, or you've stood at the ocean and you felt so small because it seemed so powerful and the waves rocked back and forth. And you have a sense that there's something bigger that's not me. So he's also revealed in Scripture. And we're going to look at time and time again when God reveals himself in Scripture. And ultimately and primarily, he's revealed in the person of Jesus. And whenever God reveals himself, it's known as a calling. The phone rings, and we've got a decision at that moment. And the reason this is so important is because as you look at the different stories of people receiving the call of God throughout Scripture that we're going to do this summer, I want you to always keep in mind that when God reveals Himself, He expects a response. When God reveals himself, time and time again, it's not simply neutral. He expects a response from the one he's revealing himself to. Because that's the kind of God he is. And so as we begin to explore this, I just want you to know there's a call. And it's for you.
That's what we're going to talk about today because you may be sitting here wondering, I don't think it's for me. I think there's a certain group of people in the Bible, they're heroes, they're larger than life, they, they went through life perfect, my life's a mess, they're perfect, I'm not that, it's all the church people that are good, they get the phone call, they get the, the, the message from God, that's not me, and I'm here to tell you, it's for you. And so we're going to start this journey in Matthew chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 9. Matthew is the first book in our New Testament it's known as a gospel. And what's really incredible is that Matthew was written by a man named Matthew. All the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're each um, known by their author. They're all, they don't re- talk specifically about the men. They talk about Jesus. Well, they talk about their interaction with Jesus. And so in Matthew chapter 9, what you need to know about Matthew is Matthew records his call. When he received the call from Jesus, Matthew gives us that, his impression of that, his account of that. And the backstory to Matthew is this, is that Matthew, before he encountered Jesus, he is, he's a tax collector. Now, real quick, if you're here today or you're watching online and you feel like you're kind of a person on the outside that... You're, you're hungry for church, or you're trying to figure out if church is for you, or you'd love to be one of the people that, however you measure it, are on the inside, but you're pretty sure that you're an outsider. Matthew is your guy. Matthew knows what you're experiencing. Because Matthew is an outsider. Now, he's gainfully employed. He's, he, he's got an income probably pretty wealthy, in fact. But because of his chosen occupation, he is an outsider, and worse, he's a traitor to his own fellow countrymen. The way the Roman tax system worked, very simple. They would sell franchises. You know, Rome dominated the known world. And so, to help supply and pay for the armies that they had around the world, they would tax the local citizen. We're here, we're Rome, we're here to help. Thank you for paying your taxes. And so they would, they would sell franchises. And if you wanted, you could purchase a franchise in a certain area. Perhaps yours was to tax a road, tax a bridge, a certain type of um, poll tax that would come in. And then you would collect the taxes and what you, you pay Rome what it was due and then you kept all the extra for yourself. And so in some ways... Most people that were paying the taxes saw it as extortion. Because when you were there to collect the tax bill, you had the might of the Roman soldiers standing right behind you. And you, your chief motivation was intimidation. And so it's seen as a traitorous place. In fact, it's always funny to me, if you read through Scripture several times, it comes up that Jesus was surrounded by sinners. And so you've got all the vile sinners... And tax collectors. They're like a worse category. There's like a, you know, you're not quite at the bottom yet. You go through sinners, then you get the tax collectors, and now you've got the worst of the worst. That's Matthew. And here's what happens. In Matthew chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 9. He says this. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Jesus says, follow me. Jesus gives him 
a call. He told him. And here's what is strange. Matthew got up and followed him. Hold just for a second there. You know this rattled everybody in the scene. The other apostles that Jesus, the disciples that Jesus had already gathered around him, he was still filling out the team at this point. But they're with him because they think that they're now connected to the one that's going to lead the revolution. That's going to overthrow Rome. And now they're traveling somewhere as they approach. There's the tax collector's booth. There's Roman soldiers sitting around. This is the anathema of what they want. This is why they're banding together, because they're going to try to overthrow these guys. And Jesus approaches that, and perhaps the other guys are going, Jesus is about to let them have it. He's about to call down fire on the tax collector's booth. And then Jesus looks at Matthew in there, and they look at him with disgust, and Jesus looks at him with compassion and says, follow me. Now you know the other guys in the back just went, <laughs> excuse me, Jesus, let me give you some information. These are the guys that we're trying to put down, not get them to join the team. What's more incredible than Jesus saying, follow me, is exactly what happens next. Look at Matthew. He got up and followed. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. Now, so what happens between the two verses? Jesus says, Matthew, let's go to your house. Now, Matthew's got a problem. Because Matthew doesn't have friends that are on the inside, remember? He's only got friends on the outside. So if you're a tax collector and a sinner, who do you invite over? Well, who did Matthew invite over? Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Okay, Pharisees, if you're new to this whole thing, where you see Pharisees, just write in the word church people. These were the good people. These were the clean people. These were the nice people. These are the ones that took care of their yard the way that they're supposed to. And so they're all gathered around outside saying, Why is the rabbi, why is this teacher, why is this would-be preacher, why is he eating with him? Notice they're not even going to go in. Why? Because tax collectors and sinners are on the inside. They may be associated with them, and they don't want that association. They don't want to be guilt by, by association. Jesus answers in this way. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but call the sinners. I want to give you three takeaways that we learn from Matthew's experience. And the first one, the first one is this. You are called to be saved. God's calling, it's for you. 
and you are called to be saved. Before you receive any other call from God, you need to understand that in whatever situation, whatever crisis, whatever brokenness, whatever mess that your life is in right now, there's a call coming through. And it's a call for redemption. It's a call to be saved. And I know, because I've heard the excuses, there's all kinds of defenses out there that says, no, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how far lost or how far gone I am or how much I've messed up my life or how addicted I am or whatever. You need to understand that the gospel message calls sinners. That's what Jesus said. He said, I didn't come for all the righteous people, for all the church people in the world. I came for those with the messed up and broken lives. It, and then he has that great line at the end. He goes, he goes, it's not the sick. I mean, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but it's the sick. So we've got this strange thing where we show up in church, and every now and then I'll run to somebody that's just shocked that they're sinners in church. It's like you go over to Scott and White. There are sick people here. Why are they all here? Because that's exactly where they need to be. And as you look around this church or any churches, you're with people that need to be there. Perhaps the most famous verse in all the Bible is John 3.16. And it says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. We have a whosoever gospel. The entire world is included in it, and it's for you. You have a call waiting, and it's for you. Second thing I want you to know, you're called to be set apart. You're called to actually have your life be different that there's a change that comes when you come into contact with Jesus and you receive the call to be saved and you acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and that he's laid down his life for you, that has transforming power on your life. And so you are called to be set apart. Look at this scripture that I have. This is um, 1 Peter. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Now, for most of us, for most of my life, that just scared me to death. Because I was like, holy? Because in my mind, growing up, I thought holy meant be perfect. So just as he who called you is perfect, so be perfect in all you do. And I thought, that's not me. No. You need to know that's not the definition of holy. We've tried to make that the definition of holy, but that's not what it means. Here's what holy means. Holy, maybe you heard the word sanctify. It all means the same thing. To set apart for a special purpose. To set apart for a special purpose. This is why when you talk about a holy place, it's set apart for a special purpose. It's an area. It's a a sanctuary. It's something that's been designated that this is going to have a different kind of purpose behind it. And so... What Scripture is telling us is that you're called to be saved and you're called to be set apart. Because one thing that Jesus was doing was he was calling Matthew out of 
one trade and into a new life, right? No longer to be a trader, but to be a minister, an evangelist of the gospel, serving the very people that had mistreated him because he was a tax collector. And he's calling him to a purpose and set apart. And as you come into contact with God, you need to understand that there is a transformation that takes place in your life. There's a transformation that you begin to submit all of your wants and wishes to the Lordship of Jesus. And allow yourself to be changed in that. And so, the way that you go about choosing your entertainment, the way you go about choosing how to be in relationship, the way you choose what to do with your body physically in a relationship, what you choose to put inside your body, how you choose to spend your money, all of that undergoes a transformation because you're called to be set apart. You're called to be holy with a purpose. Ephesians puts it this way. Ephesians chapter 4. I love this verse. For one, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Live a life worthy of the calling you received. If you've been invited into this life, now live that way. And let that shine out and let that be a demonstration to so many others. Third thing I share with you is this. You're called to be sent. You're called to be sent. Called to be saved, you're called to be set apart, and you're called to be sent. Ephesians, once again, chapter 2, says it this way For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance. For us to do. That word handiwork, this is how the NIV translates it. You look at some of the other translations, it says his craftsmanship, his workmanship, and some of them use the phrase masterpiece. You were created by God to do things that God has prepared you to do. You have a calling on your life. Another way of saying the idea that you're called to be sent. It's saying this, God created you on purpose for a purpose. God created you on purpose for a purpose. You coming into contact with God and Him redeeming your life is no accident whatsoever. I, every now and then I'll hear somebody say, here was my life and then I found God. I can appreciate that, but you didn't find God. He found you because he's so good. And he's called you and he's created for you. And there is a mission and a purpose that he has for you uniquely. This is why we believe that everyone that submits to Jesus Christ and is baptized receives the Holy Spirit and you receive what is known as spiritual gifts. Everybody has at least one spiritual gift. 
And God gives you that and equips you that because He has a mission and a ministry and a service for you. See, the question is, will you hear the call? Because we don't suffer from a lack of calls, do we? Anybody's phone ever blown up on them today? You're on the phone call, and it keeps beeping in with somebody else, and then for some reason the text messages are going, and you're getting that that noise. You're like, wait, hang on, just hang, what, just like, and then you know if you've got kids, you know they're they're after you, and you just wish you could silence it all. We've got multiple calls coming in to our life. The question is, which call are you going to respond to? Because the demands of a career have a call on us. Addictions can have a call on our lives. Our hobbies can have a call on our lives. Our desire to make wealth can have a call on our lives. Our desire to show some kind of significance in front of somebody else can have a call on our lives. The kind of relationships we enter into can be a call on our lives. And so it's like if I put you into a room and a dozen phones were in there and we just started letting them ring all at the same time. You've been in a, in a ceremony or a theater or a wedding perhaps and the amber alert goes off on everybody's phone. It's like all this chaos just for a second because it's so nerve-wracking. That's kind of how it feels at times. You've got all these calls coming at you, and the question is, which call are you going to listen to? Which call are you going to hear? Which call are you going to answer? And here's what's so powerful about Matthew's story. Jesus walks up to him and he says, follow me. And for whatever reason, Matthew heard that call and he pushes back from the table and he stands up and he comes around outside the booth and he follows Jesus. I'm telling you, in that moment, Matthew had no idea where his life and that call was going to lead. And neither do you. Recently, I had an opportunity to attend the Hope Pregnancy Banquet where... I heard the speaker, Kelly Culley, I believe is her name. And her bio said that she was a survivor of abortion. I was trying to figure out what that meant. She gets up and she tells her story. And her mom was a teenage mom. And we found out that she was pregnant, opted to have an abortion. So her mother went in for an abortion, had the abortion, went home, but several weeks later, things were not good. And they realized what they did not know was that her mother was carrying twins. And she was the surviving twin. Well, because of complications, it was way too dangerous to try to go back and do a second abortion. So her mother carried the pregnancy to term. She was born and was graciously and wonderfully given into adoption. And she grows up, she begins to learn her story. And she, as she told the story that night, she said, I had no idea that I would ever be standing in a place like this. 
sharing my story. And as she finally came in contact with her birth mother again, and all the emotions that you can just begin to imagine that would spill out in that moment, she was a believer, and she said, God, what do you want me to do with this? And she described herself as very shy and very introverted and did not see herself as a person that would have a public platform in any kind of thing. And she asked this question because this is the question that was asked to her, and she kept asking it again and again. And when she asked it that night to the crowd, I thought, this is the question for this series. And here's the question that I want you to wrestle with as we go forward each week is this. Can you imagine what God will do through you if you will let him? Can you imagine what God will do through you if you will let him? Because I don't know what Matthew thought. But what God had planned for him is so much bigger than what he thought at that moment. Can, can you imagine, Matthew, if, if you'll respond to this call... We're going to let you write the first book of the New Testament. You're going to be an author. And it's a bestseller. Trust me. Matthew had no concept of that. Matthew couldn't see that he was going to be one of the founders of the church, one of the original 12 disciples that was going to carry this mission forward. That he was going to see and witness things that were of miraculous power. That he was going to see a man that he followed for three years of his life be crucified on a cross and walk again from the grave. But he saw a call and he answered. Can you imagine what God will do through you? When you answer the call. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father. I'm so grateful for the ways that you reveal yourself. In your creation. In scripture. And ultimately through Jesus. So Father as this person sits here. And we try to listen for the call. Father I ask that you would drown out all the other noise. All the other calls on our life. And let us hear your call in the middle of it. Father, if somebody's here and they're pushing back because they feel too far gone, would you break through that and let them hear the call to be saved? Would you help us release whatever we're hanging on to, Father, and let us be transformed and set apart and be holy like you? And Father, would you lead us into your mission and your purpose for our lives? Would you give us the courage to offer up our life to you. Father, I ask all this in the name of Jesus, the one who laid down his life and now calls us to do the same. In his holy name we pray. Amen.